HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Bonnie Plants, bonnieplants.com. I'm Linda Palaccio, host of A Taste of the Past. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hello, hello, Heritage Radio Network listeners. It is hot in the city today on Monday, July 6th. I'm sitting in a shipping container in Bushwick, Brooklyn, and that means one thing. That means it is time for Tech Bites, the Heritage Radio Network show where we talk about the intersection of food and technology. Before we get the show started, I always like to introduce everyone who is here in the booth so you can match the names to the voices. First up, the most important folks are the gentlemen in the booth who turn my shipping container combos into broadcast radio. First up is Jack Inslee, the station's executive producer and the stylish DJ of Full Service Radio on Thursday nights at 7.30. How are you, Jack? Hello. So you asked for sound effects, so I don't know, it might get kind of crazy today. I listened to the first time uh, to a show called Gunwash, which is on Thursday nights after Jack's show, and the impetus for my listening to it was because Declan, formerly our intern, now our associate producer, was special guest on the show to fet his high school graduation. Oh, yeah. And they have a lot of sound effects. And I was like, wow, maybe we can get some of those on Tech Bytes. Oh, we can. <laughs> Declan, how are you? Hello, hello. Very good. And our special guest today who came out to Brooklyn is Shen Tong of an accelerator called FoodX. Hello. Thanks for making it out on a hot, sunny Monday. Just glad I'm uh, cool enough to be in Brooklyn now. Talking about food. <laughs> it's exciting, right? Yes. Food is new black, of course. Always. Always, although people don't really like black food. So that's therein lies the irony. The first thing that we do at Tech Bites is we start every show like a great meal with an appetizer, and we all go around the studio and talk about our current favorite apps, new apps, old apps. Declan, do you have a good app for us today? Uh, no, not really. Uh, You're kidding. Uh-oh. You're kidding. I don't really have an app this week, unfortunately. Um, I could say one that I really like. Uh, just well, that's what it's about, saying one that you really like. I know, but I didn't find a new one, so I felt, you know, I felt like maybe I shouldn't. shouldn't it can be old anything. favorites. Old favorites? Yeah. 
All right. I'll go with Instagram. One of the old favorites and a classic, really. Uh, you know, it's just a lot of fun. And uh, a lot of my friends have been posting really funny things recently, uh, posting about Fourth of July and just like crazy fireworks. And it was a lot of fun looking at it over the weekend. So I'll go with that. Instagram, interesting for someone who wants to be a DJ and study music because Instagram really has no sound. Yeah, true. The videos have some sound. I thought it was funny this weekend looking at all the Instagram photos, the, the bad Instagram photos of the fireworks. <laughs> you know, you're like you're like all the way back in a crowd or on some roof, like real far away, and there's some blurry little shot of a firework. There's always bad Instagram photos, regardless if it's a holiday or not. What was your what's your app this week, Jack? So my app is called. Um, I actually have it loaded up right here. It's called Headspace. Now, this is a meditation app. Um, I was talking to you, Jen, last week, actually, about my idea to start Tech Free Tuesdays, where when I come home from work, I'm just like not on the phone, uh, not watching any videos or consuming any media, doing anything but that. And then I just stumbled into this app called Headspace. I actually got the tip on a few things with Claire and Erica, which uh, airs every Wednesday at 1 o'clock great show the ladies from of a kind and basically what the app does is you have all these different levels you start off with a 10 minute meditation level and now i've yet to do a session i I got the app over the weekend but basically the way it seems to work is you kind of press play it gives you a little video to get you ready for your meditation and then you know you're supposed to do nothing for 10 minutes and meditate and then it tracks your average meditation the total number of sessions your total time it kind of counts it against your friends if you're friends with anybody on the app um, and there are all these little rewards uh, that are built in, and uh, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. So, it's a meditation game. <laughs> kind of, kind of, yeah. Which seems a little bit like contrary, a, contrary to the whole concept yeah, right? of meditation. Yeah, totally. Is it guided meditation? Does it talk to you during the ten minutes and tell you what to visualize, or is it just a timer? No, I think it's just a timer. So, is that going to be the exception to your Tech Free Tuesday? Yeah, potentially. Or maybe I'll start my Tech Free Tuesday with a headspace And session. then turn everything off? And then shut off. Okay, you'll yeah. have to let me know how competitive you get and if you become <laughs> like the meditation champion. Right, yeah, I'll get real intense about it. <laughs> competitive. Yeah. Shen, do you have a favorite app you're using right now? Well, right, uh, over the weekend I did two reviews, but not on Yelp. I, I'm a, like a kind of super Yelper, but uh, it was this uh, app survey that uh, actually... Uh, my reviews actually goes to the uh, restaurant uh, management and chef. Uh, it's a formatted uh, uh, review, so it's kind of interesting. It's, I feel quite a bit of, uh, I don't know, em- empowerment, I guess. I mean, so yeah. it's a restaurant review app? Yeah, it's a, it's a restaurant review app, but it's, a, it's a not business Yelp. to business. Oh, it's, it's, business it's called to Survey, and the... Uh, the review goes directly to the restaurant management, not uh, public, so it's not shown as a, a public okay, process. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. And you said it's S E R V Y. V Y dot. Yeah, or it's yeah, an app. Just okay. survey app, yeah. And it's iTunes and Android? Uh, I believe so, yes. Yeah, I use, on, uh, uh, I use it on uh, my iPhone. Yeah. And do you fill it out anonymously as well? Are you anonymous or no? Yeah, you're you're not anonymous to survey, but you are to the to the, to the restaurant. restaurant. Yes. Yeah. Do restaurants have to be participating in survey to for you to be able to rate a restaurant, or 
No, they, Can you uh, rate anything? No, they don't. Uh, they serve it actually uh, open it to uh, all restaurants. So, but they do curate the review. The whole idea for the, this highly curated B two B app is that uh, you don't just talk about oh, I, I was that was a great experience. That does you know th- that doesn't wouldn't constitute a useful useful review for the restaurant management. So they they have they have uh, formatted review. And also, I think they only pass on about forty percent, so they really uh, control the quality of the of the feedback. Yeah. So, when you say they only pass on forty percent, is that the pass on to the restaurant or yes. pass on to the public? So, just uh, they decide. It's not to the public; it's okay. only to the restaurant. Yeah. Can you see the other reviews when you're in the app? Or no? Uh, no, you cannot. Yeah. No, you cannot. Yeah. So, I actually was just commenting on that uh, uh, over the weekend when I was writing the second review. I said there's got to be some way to to get the more social aspect to it because it's, uh, it's, it's as, as, as good as it is because you're, you're directly talking to the restaurant. I think people probably like the social aspects as well. Well, that, that's definitely part of why I think people like to make reviews online. But so... You send a review to the restaurant, and then what does the restaurant do with it? Do they communicate back to you, or are they just using it to aggregate data and feedback? Is there a benefit to you, or is it just the satisfaction of knowing you got to tell the restaurant what you thought? Well, the the benefit is very direct, but I think they could do even more. Well, one thing that was really impressed me is that uh, they, uh, uh, they, each time you write a review, survey, uh, make a donation, uh, make one meal donation on your behalf. And it gives a, a varied amount of uh, reimbursement or cash, depending on your your uh, your choice. So it's something between a dollar to twenty dollars for for your restaurant uh, check or or cash. You know. So then, how does survey make money? Well, the uh, restaurants pay them. So ah, they okay. basically Got democratize a, a little-known industry uh, called either mystery shopping or, or right. yeah, mm-hmm. uh, secret mystery shopper. Yeah, right. Because the difference with Yelp is people want other people to know this is what I thought they want the restaurant to know this is what I thought particularly in a negative situation because I think people post on social media because they want the restaurant or the business to give them something or to compensate them something or to change something Um, so if you're doing it anonymously so then why do you do it anonymously is it because it donates to yeah, no, it's, a, it's really the second aspect that uh, the the uh, what you say matters directly to the they they're listening. Yeah, and and uh, um, they when I first uh, saw this app, eventually uh, uh, and, and my fund decided to invest in them. Is that uh, the uh, uh, um, the the restaurant don't, uh, really don't like uh, TripAdvisor and Yelp? Because, no, they uh, don't. Yeah, so uh, part of the reason, of course, is because. Uh, some aspects is, 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 is game, but more because uh, there's a lot of things the Yelpers saying that restaurant can, can do nothing about. Right. So, yeah, so this is, uh, and also they have a, a pretty ancient uh, uh, review, kind of open review system called Secret Shopping, and uh, uh, it's, it's not that efficient. So, so this kind of uh, marries the two together. Yeah. So, so for me, I mean, I. I was uh, uh, trying, uh, I've been doing Yelp for a while, so I was trying both, and uh, it's really the, the aspect of uh, giving the comments directly to the chef and to the, uh, to the restaurant owner, that kind of exciting. And of course, the, the donation and, and, and the, uh, the uh, I guess, discount, or uh, that helps. You know. So this is an app and a company that you've invested in? Yes. With, actually, with your accelerator or as a person? 
Yes, we took uh, with Accelerator. We, we actually took them in uh, FoodEx in our inaugural cohort last uh, September. At okay. that time, they were, it was just a concept and, and the mock-up. And, uh, and, and now they have 100 customers in New York. They're expanding nationally. Quite exciting. So this is the perfect segue into what Shen does, FoodEx. Um, food-x.com is the website if you want to check it out. It is a, an accelerator that focuses on food companies and food ventures and food enterprises. It was founded a year ago in 2014. A lot of people in the restaurant and the food space don't really know what accelerators are because they come primarily from tech and business. The first accelerator um, was the Y Combinator, and it came out of Cambridge, Massachusetts in 2005. And 2005 is fairly... On the one hand, it seems like light years and ancient history in the tech and startup world. But in real normal people time, it's really only 10 years, which is not that long. Just in a, in a nutshell, what an accelerator does is it takes a business that is at the very beginning stages and it puts them into an environment where they can be in touch with um, mentors, business people, technology people, people inside and outside of their field. It gives them access to money. It may pay them while they're building up their business, give them an opportunity to fund, um, and hopefully accelerate the new business process from what might take a few years into something that could be as short as just a few months. And that works really well in the technology space because when you're building a tech product, you can perpetually reiterate and look for different things and have a lot of people collaborate. It's a little bit different when you talk about food because food is really a real-time experience in many instances, especially if you're talking about something agriculturally speaking. It just takes a certain amount of time for stuff to grow. <laughs> so accelerators are something that are very, very new, I think, to the restaurant and the food world. And the first question that I, I would put to you, Shen, is, just out of curiosity, what is the benefit to you as a business person starting an accelerator where you're basically giving all these companies help and money for free? I mean, the transaction is a very interesting one. What motivates you to create a business that's really helping other businesses with a lot of well, valuable assets? Well, it's not for free. I mean, we take a small, uh, a small equity stake, you know, some, somewhere between 6 to 10%. Uh, and, uh, of course, that's, uh, that seems very low uh, traditionally in the, in the food and restaurant uh, space. But our hope is that uh, uh, this way we achieve two things. One is uh, value creation is still primarily uh, uh, down by the, the excellent team we, we bet on. And then uh, together they will grow um, um, very successful businesses. So it's a portfolio approach that uh, some some ten percent or six percent of uh, of uh, a, a very successful company will, will cover the whole portfolio. Hopefully, all of them if we choose them right. And uh, uh, so so it's uh, it's uh, the way we we look at the whole space for the last few years is that uh, when you look at the uh, food and beverages in the U.S. Uh, market alone, that's $1.4 trillion. And globally, it's, that's five, $5 trillion. So just take U.S. as an example. So the food and beverage space, $5 trillion globally. That's uh, annual revenue. It's just annual a, revenue. That doesn't include agriculture, doesn't include, include uh, wellness or uh, related environment uh, or, or, or medical, just uh, food and beverage proper. So food and beverage proper meaning 
restaurants, companies that make products, grocery stores, retail, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Yeah, uh, okay. all, all food and and, uh, and beverages, and a uh, uh, little less than half of that is restaurant. But but when you look at the the the, the goods that are sold, uh, services provided, especially the, the food itself and beverages itself. That uh, you know, using a micropollen phrase, I mean, maybe I think minimum will we think it's about two third, maybe a lot more, that are kind of food lookalike uh, substances, uh, food lookalike objects. They are high in calorie, but with negligible nutrients. You know, so so they're not only not very tasty, but they're they're bad for your health and and certainly bad for the environment. That means bad for the health of our children and 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 Earth. Right, so. Basically, we look at this. We think, "Wow, this is comparable to say internet twenty, thirty years ago." Meaning that majority, we're talking about a trillion, about a trillion dollar a year revenue in the U.S. market alone. So, right? one That's trillion dollars yeah. for the food and beverage industry in the U.S. annually. Yeah, that that can be and need to be disrupted. Need to be changed for just better food, you know, tastier food, and more sustainable food. So disruption is also something that comes from the tech and the startup space, which is not a word that we use really in the food and beverage and restaurant and hospitality space. What, when you say disruption, what what does that mean? Well, that means uh, uh, the industry is stuck. Uh, uh, on the wrong path, and uh, with uh, with usually outside, but doesn't have to be outside. But usually with outside forces, it it does a course correction, and uh, and it's it is when it's done successfully, then disruption happens. Meaning that uh, basically, let's look at uh, you know it's 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 my belief and uh, the Access Venture Fund's belief that uh, in in the next few decades, the big names on uh, uh, in the food space. Uh, will be different. Uh, a lot of them don't even exist yet, and that's where we see the big opportunity. You know, we see an opportunity not just for profit, but also this is uh, what's known as a triple bottom line or, or triple P, right? So profit, people, and planet. So it's it's it's, it's one of those rare opportunities where you can uh, have uh, create uh, very successful businesses that's not only highly profitable, hyper growth, but also uh, good for, uh, uh, have a good social and environmental impact. But that is a course correction the food industry need to have. Right, so the, the three Ps, profit, people, and planet, and a course correction. Uh, I would say that that is on the larger food, industrial food company space, those three things have been important to, I think, small-scale restaurants and food and beverage for quite, quite some time. But we will talk more about that after we come back from a break, and we'll find out what type of sponsors we have today, and hear some new music. This one's called 1080p by Vesa. We'll be right back on Tech Bites. Thank <laughs> you. 
Could an app be the answer to a better garden? Absolutely. It's the new free app, Homegrown with Bonnie Plants. Note, track, and photograph your garden's progress. Personalize your weather and reminders. Get variety info, grow guides, hands-free dictation, and more. The Homegrown with Bonnie Plants app. The sharpest tool in your garden. Download it free on the App Store. I'm Jennifer Leutzi. This is Tech Bytes on the HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Every Monday afternoon at 1 p.m., we talk about the intersection of food and technology. And today, that intersection of food and technology is food-x.com. FoodX is a culinary accelerator, um, taking a page really from Silicon Valley. It combines food and culinary startups, new businesses, and puts them into a three and a half month program that gives them access to funding and mentors within the industry, hoping to create profitable businesses as well as businesses that may change the landscape of what's happening now. We're talking with Shen Tong, who's one of the founders of FoodX. And, you know, he talks about the Michael Pollan book and things being broken in, in the food space, agriculture, big business, and things needing to change. And these are all things that have been, um, you know, floating around in the food world for a long time. And now they're starting to reach Silicon Valley and business and tech entrepreneurs. And I would put the question to you, Shen, why are you interested in this space now? I mean, the, the struggle the struggle for quality food and feeding America has been something that's been ongoing for decades. And now it is really coming to the forefront of what people are talking about, what people are you know, concerned about. Why now? Well, the, uh, uh, there's a very personal connection uh, uh, to this. I think that's what I find it uh, most interesting and exciting uh, in, in the food space, in the food movement. Um, that uh, so, so mine was my kids. You know, they they, uh, they uh, started in, in Lower Manhattan. They go to, if you want to start early, private school is the only choice. By the time they're, they're, they're public school choices, all, all three of them actually were lucky enough. They tested in a, in a, in a, in a city uh, gifted program. And uh, then we have a lunch problem because I, one of the reasons uh, my wife and I want them to be in public school is to share a meal with uh, families from all walks of life. So and like like what we do at home, right? but uh, at dinner with dinner guests, uh, frequent guests. But uh, we still uh, uh, end up uh, packing lunch because uh, they wouldn't eat school lunch. <laughs> so you have three children then in the public schools in New York City right now, or was yes. this before? Yes. Yeah. What grades are they in? It's uh, 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 soon to be first uh, and uh, fourth and sixth. So it was your actual experience with the public school lunch system that made you start to think about the status of the food system in New York? Yeah, it's, um, among other reasons, we, my, my wife and I both were trained in, in uh, uh, botany and uh, went down for biochemistry uh, in, in our graduate program. So, so, so there's, there's, there's that interest from uh, biological aspects, and I'm a foodie, I cook all the time, and dinner parties. But it's really the school lunch situation is a daily reminder. I mean, it was a very explicit reason 
that we want our children, if the school is good enough, we want our children to be uh, in uh, in public school system. And uh, but then we, st- you know, sharing that meal or lunch, that we still end up packing lunch just like when they were in uh, private school. So uh, so it's it's a daily reminder. They come back, they talk about it because we talk about food all the time at home, and it's only one time that we try to always be together. That's a, a dinner time. It's a long tradition since I was back in China uh, in, the, in the 80s and 70s. And they talk about, uh, they joke about how awful the, <laughs> the lunch is. You know? <laughs> there's, a, there's a show that talks about school lunch on Heritage Radio Network that you might want to check out. And it's definitely a topic that uh, New York City chefs and, and other people have been vocal and very involved in because, to your point, it, it is so critical. You want to fuel like the little people's minds, but you need to also fuel their bodies. Yeah, that's, that's one of the, we, we find out then in preparation for uh, before we put this much money behind this, this idea of FoodX is that uh, more than half of the uh, American parents, their single most important concern out of all categories, not just food, out of all categories, is uh, uh, food for their children. So we see all of these things, uh, this research uh, coming. So basically, to talk about the timing is that we, we look at the food landscape, right, and, and the, in, the, in the cultural arena in, uh, in terms of behavioral change, I mean, the investigative journalists and, uh, and cultural icons and, and writers and, and culinary leaders basically have paved the way. And now you have more than uh, one in four Americans very basically have a clear understanding of what's going on and they read the labels. They still don't end up having all the right food they wanted, but there's a very clear desire. With lack of uh, choices in the marketplace, they really want to eat right, and for their children. Right? So, so, but then the policy and, and the political environment is not quite there yet, but we believe that for something this common, for something like we always say we are what we eat, and it's true, but you, you can't have uh, this, uh, this, this attachment to just a, a uber artisanal or, or, or small. Uh, that's that's, that's very Very beautiful, that's nice. But we really need real access, uh, highly scalable access to good food. For 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 consumers, for eaters and families. So that's where the this 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 idea is that we need to provide a business engine for this movement. So you must not think that the business environment itself is moving along fast enough if you're creating an accelerator to make that process faster? Well, somebody said the dirty little secret is not too, uh, too little. It's not a secret that uh, generally the United States and the world is moving to the wrong direction. And I say, well, this is not ideological. This is just fact. That it's, it's really bizarre that you look at the world that uh, the single biggest problem is not the lack of clean water or hunger. It's actually, you think of any society, any country barely moving out of poverty, the first thing they do is to move to this very bizarre, uh, quote-unquote, Western diet that, that is highly processed um, food that's uh, animal protein-centric, right? So, again, you know, high in calorie with negligible nutrients, right? So, so this, this trend is actually the other way around. So, so, so it's great to accelerate good business uh, uh, disruptions and the food innovations in this space, but, uh, uh, but we, we kind of have to really try hard to reverse that trend. So in some of the businesses that you've supported, you've gone through two accelerator programs, You've yes, just finished yeah. the second one, and you're now taking applications for the third one. Yes, the deadline is almost up uh, July 10th, yes. July 10th, which is this Friday, so if people have a small business that they're looking to accelerate, maybe visit food com oh, and take you. a look at that. Yeah. <laughs> but so then how do you 
and, and to that point, if people are interested, how are you judging and selecting the businesses that you put into the portfolio? Because what you're describing in terms of um, changing the perception of what type of food we aspire to eat, changing the larger food supply and how we eat, you know, having attended the second uh, food accelerator where you you know talked about all the different businesses they were fairly diverse there was a company called kitchen bowl that is video recipes that people can input themselves so i can see how that relates to it in terms of people creating better food at home um but then you had something called tasting collective which is interesting chef curated uh community dinners in restaurants and that to me just sort of seemed like entertainment and like creating parties and you know uh, events for millennials and that to me while maybe a, a great idea for a successful business doesn't really seem to speak to this transformative you know disruptive impact you're looking to make in in the food system in the United States yeah well the uh, it's, it's an interesting question that like uh, just taste uh, tasting collective or even survey what we we, we see in them right just uh, tasting collective as an example that we have uh, when we select our businesses there are uh, now 22 filters uh, we use because a large volume of application a few hundred for 10 spots uh, uh, each half year each uh, cohort so we do two every year so about 20 20 companies uh, minimum but the, uh, out of a few hundreds, I mean, it's harder to get into FoodEx than Stanford and Harvard. I mean, it's, uh, it's about 3% or less. So uh, so I have to, we, we have a pretty large uh, screening committee, a lot of volunteers and mentors, and, and they use its filters to, to rate it, and then, then it goes through several uh, cycles of selection to the final 10. So the five mission filters are, uh, first is taste. So five, so, the, you have 22 filters uh, five, of them, five them, uh, of them we call them. Five of them are taste. Uh, uh, five of them we call them mission filters. Mo- mission so I'll list filters, them. Okay. The first one is actually taste. We believe you know food shouldn't be the s- just source of energy. It should be source of fun, yeah, and uh, uh, and, and enjoyment, right? and uh, and personal communal responsibilities, sustain uh, sustainability, healthy being healthy, and uh, uh, and the last is uh, uh, is uh, specifically disruptive to the current industrial agriculture and food system so those are the five filters right so in this case they uh, like what mark Pippen said right i mean if as long as soon as you touches your food 90 percent of the problem are gone right something like that right so so uh, if people have an easy way to kind of go to restaurants and uh, have chef to be pres- uh, present in a in a, in this uh, wonderful tradition exists in almost all cultures as feast right and compared to lunchables and, and uh, uh, TV dinners, that is a light touch, huge change. So, so it's like on the surface, it, it may not be that preachy in its, uh, its mission. In fact, some of our founders don't think about missions when they're, I mean, they still, even after the accelerator, they just go on building up, building up uh, their businesses. But so in this case, it really uh, fit into two of our filters. You know, it's a taste and, and, and communal. You know, when, when you get together, eat food. Good food makes people happy. You know, it's that's like, very uh, true. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so the feast is something that's really you know, so, so it's, it's core to traditional good uh, good food. But, but in general, uh, uh, Jennifer, that we don't 
necessarily uh, require our companies to uh, to be a, a mission business. In fact, if they score very high in the business and uh, and the cohort filters, the other filter criteria, they could still uh, come into the accelerator. And survey was one. It wasn't. De- I mean, still at its core, it wasn't designed uh, to 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 have a big impact in it. One of the five. Uh, it improves restaurants business, which is a good service, but it's not mission as such, right? So, so it's it's wonderful to see a company like Survey uh, really got accelerated and developing very quickly. But then, if you go to their app. The front and center, literally on their app, is this donation thing. You know, it's it's a, it's a extra to their core business, but they choose to do that, and 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 I think that's I feel great about it. Yeah. So that that's also an interesting point where their core business itself might not be particularly mission driven to one of these philosophical arenas, but the mission of the company itself or the vision of the company itself might have some of these tenants so that part of their doing business is also giving back to other businesses and giving to charities and supporting other things along the way. Yeah, and, but more importantly, that uh, we look at things, uh, to put it simply, their digital side of things, that is pretty straightforward and that we, we are pretty sure you will, you will, uh, be, uh, you will do really well. That is to bring the uh, tried and true uh, aspects of digital efficiency, for example, into a industry that is not yet as as uh, uh, advanced as yeah. compared to, it's to tech and bio. Yeah. Definitely not advanced. We, I often say on the show that the tech level of restaurants is a pencil on a cocktail napkin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so very much in, a, in an industry that has not caught up to Silicon Valley for sure. Well, it's, uh, not, not for long. You yeah, know, we're, well, we're, we'll hopefully see. we're we're we're. we're uh, we're trying to make a difference, but it's more important is other side of things. So, so we, we look at the real food side of things. You know, like here in Brooklyn, we have a number of uh, uh, companies we, we are, we're really uh, uh, betting on. And, and, and uh, uh, one is actually uh, called Next Organics. They, they, uh, they're what I call super CSA. Is they're like a, a consumer-supported agriculture. Uh, uh, the, the CSA has been around for a couple of decades, but the super CSA really. I believe provide a real alternative, companion alternative to grocery shopping, to the current food shopping behavior. That is, uh, is aggregation of many CSAs and farms. It could be up to 200. And then so the result is that not only you have produce, but you have protein and the value added, like say a jar of miso uh, paste or something, right? So, so you, can, uh, in, you can really just buy from this CSA or, or subscribe to this CSA. And they actually, 75% of their delivery is done by pickup locations. So, Which so, is very so, CSA. Yeah. So, so this is one of the, this is their very Roberta's. first. Uh, Roberta's. Roberta's Pizza. Roberta's, yeah. Roberta's Pizza and the Heritage Radio Network compound is, I think, the epicenter of the pirate foodie revolution. We got everything happening here. Yes. Everything yeah, from great. Yeah. live radio to Michelin fine dining to wood-fired pizza ovens to CSA pickups and a tiki bar just to make sure everything goes smooth. <laughs> what, what we find is most interesting is that people don't just come, I, I think, uh, every Wednesday afternoon to pick up their bags from Next Organics. They stay around and become a kind of a block party and, and they, they I mean, it's, it's talking Which about communal. Which goes back communal, to the yeah. communal. Yeah, that's very much part of the CSA philosophy and experience. Yeah, and then if you look at that in terms of impact, I mean, they source on average 80 miles 
80 miles an 80 mile radius uh, uh, radiance uh, from uh, uh, Brooklyn and lower Manhattan and that compares to 300 miles fr- fr- uh, 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 fresh uh, direct and 1500 miles on average for every single uh, grocery item in the US wow. that's how much food travels before you get to uh, yep. get to consumers well they often say you know FedEx is my farmer <laughs> in the <laughs> restaurant business we are just about out of time and at the end of each show I always like to ask my guests for a bit of advice for the folks listening to tech bites and so you you call your you're getting ready to select the next round of cohorts and cohorts is sort of the class of companies that you are going to incubate you're getting ready to pick a new batch of businesses and the application process is on the website you talk about the 20 filters that you're looking at and the 20 different points what is your advice to someone who is starting a food venture right now and is hoping to get into an accelerator or hoping to attract investors and, and supporters to take their idea to the next level? What would you advise them to do? Well, the uh, first, actually think about uh, doing well by doing good. Because uh, uh, I'm not, I'm not uh, pre- preaching a, a mission because we believe that the, the biggest opportunity in the food space is actually by, by doing uh, good food, by, by doing the right things for, for taste, for, for society, for environment. Right? And then think about uh, uh, scalability. You know, you can, we, we, we cannot uh, provide a real alternative to people by just staying small. Yeah, so, uh, so maybe you don't have to always think about only scaling up. That's the the that's the methodology by by uh, uh, tech hypergrowth. Uh, what does companies. that mean? But, what does that uh, mean? Scaling just up. Just keep getting big. Yeah, but you can bigger scale, and bigger. Yeah, you can scale up by scaling out, such as uh, say uh, Next Organics. I mean, they're really they're really uh, providing a platform for these dozens of farms and CSAs and reaching a much broader audience. Right, so so you you can enable the little guys. Think about eBay. Think about Google search. Right, I mean they they become big by enabling the little guys. You know, so so. So when you say scale up, you mean sort of vertically adding more pieces to the business, and then when you say scaling out, you mean more horizontally, like an Airbnb or an eBay, where Bingo. the yes. services yeah. themselves stay exactly the same, but you expand your user base and yeah. your customer base horizontally to sort of blanket the world. You can, you can keep the, the fragmented nature of a good food movement, maybe even enhancing it by enabling it so that uh, more of, of such businesses uh, or services can be accessible. It could be a marketplace, uh, peer-to-peer. There are many, many tried-and-true ways of, uh, of becoming a big business by in enabling a lot of small services and providers. Yeah, and and uh, uh, and also, uh, we are uh, uh, accelerator is slightly later stage in the start in the startup phase. Basically, so your you accelerator is a slightly later stage. No, in the accelerator phase? in general. Oh, accelerators uh, focus in general. On product market fit, which means okay. uh, uh, is after ideation. Yeah, after your idea is a little bit mature, uh, always remember to have a co-founder. You know, we don't take a single founder because it takes a oh, that's village. Right. You know, so as you people need, say, you, want you start with to two. balance off each other. Yeah. You yeah. only take businesses that have co-founders. When we when we make the exception, we often pay a big price for it. We 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 have this uh, Steve Jobs rule that I mean, there's there's some fantastic founder that just just know it all, and we don't yep. see the vision. But uh, we just find single founder uh, companies 
don't benefit as nearly as much from our mentor uh, network. And more importantly, even during the program, the reason we call them cohort, the reason we design open space is really for this uh, cohort learning philosophy. Set that this cooperative. So co yeah. meaning more than one and people collectively coming together. We That's actually make them to a re- remix and solving each other's problem, doing uh, doing team building exercise, but not based on the individual companies, but uh, but randomly remix a group. Well, I think that's really great advice, whether people are looking to join an accelerator or not. When you're starting a business, do well by doing good. Have a co-founder so you don't become a despot <laughs> and a dictator. And think about scaling you know, scaling your business out to the most people. I think that's great advice. I want to thank uh, my guest, Shentong, from FoodX Accelerator coming, for coming out to Brooklyn on the show. Great to be here. It's thank fascinating, you, and maybe you'll have to check back in with us when you go through the cohort group number three and yes, see what kind of interesting to. things you yeah, have you're doing great there. things <laughs> i want to thank all the heritage radio network listeners i want to thank the boys in the booth and if you like the show come back and see us again on monday at 1 p.m if you love the show go to heritageradionetwork.org and throw us you know whatever you paid for a nice coffee today make more shows Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.